right. Man, I was, I was so eager to get a head start on my sermon today, but I just felt led to just wait on the Lord right there. And, and, and uh, sometimes you've got to do that. And, um, um, but this is week two of our study in the book of Jude called Contending for the Faith. And, and so you are, I, really there's probably about somewhere between three to five sermons in this message today <laughs> that it could have been made three to five sermons. And uh, uh, we're kind of on a time crunch with the, before the end of the year, before Christmas season to get this, this study in. So I, I had to cram a lot in here. So you're going to have to, can you listen fast today? Yeah. And can you listen with hearing ears yeah. and hearing heart and uh, trust the Lord to talk to you today because we're we're starting, I want to review back to Jude verse 1. There's only one chapter, so Jude verse 1 is Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Jude, Jude describes himself as a servant of Jesus and a brother of James, but as the brother of James, he was also the, the brother of Jesus. I explained that last week. But he describes himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. And we see who he wrote to in the rest of that verse, to those who have been called, who are loved by the... God the Father, and who are kept by Jesus. Jude is a general epistle, not written to a specific person or congregation, but to everyone who has been called, loved, and kept by God. Are you called, loved, and kept by God? All right, this is written for you. So why did Jude write to those who are called, loved, and kept by God? One reason was to, to, uh, to pronounce a blessing on us. In verse 2, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. And we talked about that, how God wants to give us an abundance of mercy and love and peace. And not only did he write to bless his readers, but to warn them. And pretty much the rest of this letter is a warning. It's a warning to beware of false teachers. I, I skipped that slide earlier, sorry, uh, but, but if you can put that one up now, that's the title of my sermon today. Beware of false teachers. It's a warning. And I, I really want you to hear this today because there is a lot of false teaching going around these days. And interestingly enough, it's the same false teaching that was happening back then. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. And it seems new, but it's the same lies, same deception, same false teaching because it's the same devil working through the false teachers. So Jude wrote to warn us, and he says in verse 3, Dear friends, although I was eager to write you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write. It was necessary. I felt an urgency to write to you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Jude wanted to write an encouraging letter just to bless the churches and encourage them in the Spirit. But instead of writing a a feel-good letter... Jude warned them. He, he warned these early believers and he warned us, to, he's warning us to contend for the faith by fighting against false teachings and opposing those who are trying to deceive us. And, and let me tell you, as a, as a pastor and as a preacher, you always have to fight that urge to, 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 to just preach a feel good message. I would love just to do that every week. Just leave you out of here just feeling good and, oh, I'm so great and God's great and Pastor Joe's really great. And, and man, this is, this is, this is awesome and, and let's just all go to lunch and have a great day. And, and, you know, I would just love to do that. But I'd rather have you go out of here feeling good because you have been equipped 
to stand in the faith in these last days when everything in the world is being thrown against us to try to, to steal our faith. I'd rather you be equipped in knowing how to contend for your faith. And you might think, well, some letter written 2,000 years ago really has nothing to say to me today. But Jude is very relevant to our current times because like us, that, that early church were f- facing threats from inside and outside the church and they had to struggle to live out their, their faith in a manner that was consistent with the truth of God's word. And so in order for us to contend for the faith, we've got to understand what we are fighting against and how to respond against those who attack the truths and the doctrines of the Christian faith. Jude warns us, contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. That, that faith he's talking about is the body of Christian doctrine, the, the truth, the essential truths of the gospel that, uh, that all Christians hold in common. And notice that this faith was delivered once for all. That means once for all time. It's not a new one being delivered all the time. It's God said, here it is, and this is it, and it changes not. And it was delivered once for all people. There's not different ways of salvation for all of us. There's one way. Jesus is the way. He made the way through the cross uh, and through his blood and his finished work. And we've got to contend for that faith, for that truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the word contend means to fight. To struggle, it literally means to to agonize against the adversaries of the faith. And that includes spiritual warfare with Satan, the deceiver. And that includes taking a stand for truth with people. Now listen, to contend does not mean to be contentious. To be contentious is to be combative and argumentative. You know anybody who's contentious? Don't look at anybody in this room right now. Keep your eyes on me. <laughs> but you remember, God, God's word tells us, speak the truth in love. Tells us that in Ephesians. Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says, live wisely among those who are not believers. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so you'll have the right response for everyone. Is the way you're living among unbelievers causing them to ask you, like, what is it in you? In fact, 1 Peter 3, 5 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, to give the reason for the hope that you have. First of all, are people seeing something in your life? Are they seeing you have faith and hope? Are you seeing them going through inflation and going through tough times and all the things we're going through, but you're going through with hope? You should be able to answer what that hope is. My, my hope, my faith is in Jesus. Though the fig tree shall not blossom, though there be no fig on the vine, though there be no cattle in the stall, though, though there be no food in the, uh, in a shopping center, though gasoline rise to $159 a pint, yet I will rejoice in the Lord my Savior. He'll make my feet like hind's feet to climb over all those high places. Do you have hope in you? And when you answer people, do it with gentleness and respect. See, we've got to learn how to contend without being contentious. Because as soon as you get contentious, people have a reason to say, well, why should I listen to you? In verse 4, Jude gives us the reason to contend for the faith. For certain men, listen, whose condemnation was written about long ago, have secretly slipped in among you. 
They are godless men who changed the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Notice that these, these false teachers secretly slipped into the church. They're what we call sheep in wolves clothing. They look like the flock of God, but, but the, 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 the wolves in sheep clothing, sorry. They look like the flock of God, but they're enemies of God. There are some sheep in wolves clothing. No, I don't think so. Feel free to correct me when I make stupid mistakes like that. Pastor Joe, no, the reason I know that is because I saw Frank look at Elaine like this. <laughs> so, Frank, you're my cue all the time. If I see you like, looking over your glasses, I know I just said something wrong. But that, that statement, wolves in sheep clothing, do you know that's from Jesus? Jesus said that in Matthew 7, 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but the inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. That's why the Bible says lay hands on no man suddenly. That means don't put somebody in an office in a position of leadership suddenly. You've got to watch them for a while. They can look good at first. Anybody can come into church and look and great and sing the songs and jump and shout and, and praise God. But their fruit will eventually reveal who they really are, either good or bad. And here's the interesting thing about that passage about, about wolves and sheep clothing. The verses right before that say, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So, so false teachers, the false teachers that, that Jesus warned about, some of the things they taught were that there are many ways to God, that, that it's just a wide path, that you just pick your own road, you'll get in there. But Jesus said, no, it's a narrow road. Remember, he is the way. He is the road. It's narrow. It's exclusive. It's Jesus. The only way. Or they teach universalism, a belief that everyone will be saved, whether you, you believe in Jesus or not. Oh, this all stuff about Jesus is Lord and all that. You, you don't need Jesus. You can just be a good boy and, and get to heaven one day. Listen, we're not a church that teaches those errors, but there are churches and teachers that do. This is startling. But my brother Dan Berger sent me an article on a recent survey of American pastors conducted by the Cultural Research Center. And, uh, and of these pastors, this survey they did, uh, a third of the evangelical pastors believe. And by the way, these are just three articles I pulled up. Okay, you can look it up for yourself. Google it. Look up pastor survey and put in Arizona because it was done from a university in Arizona. New studies show shocking lack of biblical worldview among American pastors. We're not talking about American church members, American pastors. New survey shows only half of evangelical pastors hold a biblical worldview. More than a third of senior pastors believe being a good person can earn you salvation. These are pastors standing in pulpits preaching to people in churches. A third of them believe that good people can earn their way to heaven by their own works. They believe that there's no absolute moral truth. Everyone can decide for themselves what's truth for them. That same number believe that the Holy Spirit is not a person but just a symbol of God's power. I'm talking about preachers. They believe that sexual relations between two unmarried people who love each other is morally acceptable to God. This is sad. This is preachers standing in pulpits across America. Listen, you better be aware of what your pastor is preaching in your church. 
And if it does not line up with the Word of God, run! Find a church that preaches the whole counsel of God, that preaches you the truth, even if it steps on your toes sometimes, even if it's not a feel-good message sometimes. All this that they're talking about is feel-good message. I, want, I don't want nobody to feel bad. So you're all good enough. You're going you're to make it. You'll be okay. Listen, the gospel is the bad news before it's the good news. And nobody's going to receive the good news until first they hear the bad news, that apart from Christ, you have no hope. Apart from Christ, you're doomed to eternity and hell apart from Him. But there, he, he made a way. He is the way. The good news is Jesus died for you. This is the gospel. He rose again. If you place your faith in Him, you will be saved. You need to hear that. And this kind of teaching is not just from pastors. It's from authors, radio, TV, YouTube, personality, college and seminary professors. I mean, there are good ones and there are bad ones. There are true ones and there are are false ones. And one of Satan's most effective tactics, tactics is to disguise himself as a messenger of truth. Disguise a false teacher as a messenger of truth. It's been that way from the beginning. Christianity had barely been established in the first century when it was bombarded by heresies that, that tried to destroy it. A heresy is a belief that's not in line with established Bible doctrine. And there's many New Testament warnings about false teachers uh, 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 who taught heresy or false doctrine. The first uh, heretics, we, they were called uh, Judaizers, who followed Paul around everywhere he went. They followed him. And he would teach grace and say it's salvation by grace. And they would come right in behind him and say, no, you've got to keep the Jewish law in order to be saved. It was a big problem in the early church. In fact, read Acts 15. That was a whole, the first church council in the Bible where all the early church lead, leaders got together in Jerusalem to contend with this error. By the way, there's three errors concerning God's law that have been around from the beginning of the church. And I told you this was going to be in my sermons last week, but I put it off to this week, so here it is. I didn't forget. And four books of the Bible were written to combat those three errors. The first error is legalism, which teaches that we're saved by keeping the law. You've got to keep the law of Moses to be saved. Paul addressed that in Romans. The second error is, uh, concerning the law is what we call Galatianism. It teaches that you're saved by grace, but then you only stay saved if you keep the law. And obviously the book of Galatians addresses this. The third area, error regarding the law is called license. It's like your driver's license. It gives you permission. The Bible is called licentiousness. The theological term is antinomianism, which means against the law. And that error teaches that since we're not under law, we're under grace. And grace now is my driver's license to sin. Grace is my license to sin. Because of grace, I can live what I want to and do what I want. Jude addressed this false teaching that grace gives us license to sin. And the heresy that Jesus is not our sovereign Lord. And these false teachers were, were very influenced by a belief called Gnosticism. And, and, and one of its beliefs that since grace covers our, our sin, we can sin as much as we want. And listen, all these, all these errors are still around today. You'll find people right now teaching that you've got to keep the law of Moses. And when it's the Feast of Tabernacles, you better put up a tent in your backyard and sleep in it. Or, or, and, and you better do all those things that are written back there. And no, you can do that if you want to, but that ain't going to get you into heaven. And then there's the other extreme going to teach you, well, you're under grace, just do what you want. All those are common today. 
all those. That's why they've got people today in churches who are living together outside of marriage, and they don't see how that could be inconsistent with their, with their faith. That's why many churches and denominations are rapidly caving in to the culture's view on homosexuality or gender identity or, 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 or other kinds of sin. But grace is not a license to sin. Grace is not permission to sin. In fact, Paul said in Romans 6, 1 and 2, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Certainly not. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Not only is grace not licensed to sin, it's the exact opposite. Listen to what Titus said in Titus 2, 11 through 13. The grace of God that, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Listen, grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The truth is, ex is the exact opposite of what false teachers were teaching. No, grace is not a license to sin. In fact, grace teaches you to not sin. If you really understand the grace of God, and grace is so taught out of proportion these days, and there's a lot of teachers these days teaching grace. There's a very popular teacher. You can see him on TV. You can read his book on grace, and he will say in those books that, that pastors should not teach, that the Holy Spirit will not convict a believer of sin. Conviction is only for unbelievers. That, a, that a, a believer does not have to confess sin. That, that verse, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, well, that, that verse is only for unbelievers. It's not for believers. The Holy Spirit will never convict you of sin, and a pastor should never teach his people to repent. That's being taught live across America every day. Listen, the Holy Spirit will thank, convict you to, of sin. Thank God. And when he does, you better repent. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. Grace is being taught out of balance these days, and we need to know the balance of it. But these Gnostics also believe that Jesus was just one of the ways uh, or stages between evil and, and God, and they didn't believe that, that Jesus was a sovereign Lord. So Peter try, people try to water down Jesus to excuse themselves from, from obeying his commands. We can ignore it. But Paul warned believers in Acts 20, 29 through 31, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. See, the sad thing is these adversaries are not from outside the church. They're from the inside. Adversaries from the outside tend to unite the church. Adversaries from the, on the inside tend to divide the church. And you can always detect them because they're always trying to draw people to themselves. And not to the Lord, not to the church, but they're trying to draw people to themselves. It's kind of that Absalom spirit that I want people to, to come to me. And these false teachers don't consider themselves to be outside of the church. Listen, listen close. They consider themselves to be elite teachers who have special knowledge that these pastors, these elders, these church members don't have. 
We, we got something that, that they don't have. We got some truth that they don't have. We have some revelation that, 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 that they don't have. If you would just come with me, and, and this is how a lot of churches get, people get drawn away from church. Somebody saying, I got some special, Gnosticism is all this hidden special secret knowledge. If somebody got some secret knowledge, I would say, nah, you can keep your secret. Keep that secret to yourself. Because yeah. if it's truth, it needs to be brought out into the light. Be careful from that stuff. That's another time you ought to run. Be on guard. So this is why Jude now gives us, man, i got to hurry. Pastor Deb, you might be teaching some of this next week. This is why Jude (laughs) warns us with three hysterical, hysterical, historical. (laughs) That reminds me, it has nothing to do with my sermon, but a couple was counseling one time, and and the, 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 the man says to the counselor, every time... My wife and I are talking. She gets historical. (laughs) The counselor said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, I mean historical. She brings up everything I ever did back in 1967. (laughs) Had nothing to do with my sermon today, so that is free. All right, Jude gives us three examples about those who fell away from the faith rather than contending for the faith. Listen quick, Jude 5, though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. The children of Israel were delivered from Egypt, but many did not enter the promised land because of their unbelief. Jude is giving us a warning. It's one thing to start a journey with God. It's another thing to finish it. Those who endure to the end will be saved. Jude 6, and this is kind of strange to us because it says, The angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great, on the great day. He's talking about fallen angels. And, and there's basically two falls of angels in the Bible. Uh, we're, we're familiar with Isaiah 14 where it teaches about Lucifer's rebellion against God. And when he rebelled, one-third of the angels rebelled against him. And, and, and they're what we now call demons. And, and their fall was due to pride. But Genesis 6 talks of angels who fell because of lust. Genesis 6, 1 through 4. I'm reading from the Good News translation. It says, when people had spread all over the world and daughters were being born, some of the heavenly beings, I'm using this passage because it translates that heavenly beings. Most translations say sons of God, and people get confused about that. Who is that? But we're talking about angels here. Saw that young women were beautiful, so they took the ones they liked. And the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with man forever. They are mortal. From now on, they'll live no longer than 120 years. In those days and even after, there were giants on the earth who were descendants of human women and the heavenly beings. They're they're called Nephilim, and they were the result, the offspring of these angels and, and women. And the Bible says after that, it says that that's when the hearts of men became evil continually, and God said, I need to destroy this earth, but Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. But there was an inner mingling there that just messed up the genetic code of man and messed them up spiritually, and they became evil in their thoughts, the Bible says, continually. 
These are the falling angels that Jesus says did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their own home. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. And we know that, that the, the other angels that fell, they are loose on the earth. They're called demons. But these angels, they're different. They're bound up with chains. They cannot be loose because God does not want that intermingling with angels and, and man to ever happen again. But Jude is warning us that, that if pride and lust can call cause angels to fall and be judged pride and lust can cause us to fall and be judged Jude's third example is a well-known story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 18 and 19 in verse 7 Jude says in a similar way Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion they serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire Sodom and Gomorrah, Gomorrah committed sins and, and it destroyed them. That included but was not limited to homosexuality. The, the Greek word translated perversion in verse 7 means they wanted, they went after strange flesh. And by the way, in, in there in, in Genesis, it says that angels came to Sodom, Sodom and to, to get people, to get the righteous people out. And, but it appeared to the men there as men. Sometimes angels appeared as men. And they said, let them out. We want to have sex with them. That, and, and that ended up having the destruction of, God was going to destroy them anyway, but that was the, the heart of it, their desire uh, for this. But, but Jude's purpose in these examples is to point out that, that false teachers violated, violated God's created order. He's comparing them to this. And as a result, they're going to suffer the punishment of eternal fire. And so now beginning in verse 8, Jude applies these three examples of falling away to false teachers. He says, in the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lies, defy authority, and scoff at supernatural beings. By the way, claim authority from their dreams. Beware of people who only get and give direction based on dreams. There are people that will do that. Listen, God gives dreams, but not all dreams. Sometimes it was that sweep that kitchen pizza you had last night with everything on it. <laughs> God can and does speak through dreams, but not every dream. But some people who say their authority comes from their dreams, be careful of that. Every dream must line up with God's word. And Jude shows us the sins of these, of these false teachers, the sexual immorality, rebelliousness. They defy God's authority and his word and those he's placed in authority. They scoff at supernatural beings. Jesus said they scoff at supernatural beings, but even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now let me tell you, Jude is referring here to a story found in an apocryphal book called The Assumption of Moses. And he also quotes from a book called uh, Enoch. And neither one of those books are in our, the canon of our scripture. They were not considered to rise to the level uh, of scripture. But that doesn't mean they had no truth in it. They were very popular books read at that time, just like we read Max Licato and Charles Swindoll and Tony Evans and T.D. Jakes and read all these great books who have truth in them, right? You with me? But they're not the truth of the scripture. We don't elevate them. So now here's first and second Swindoll. First, second, third Jakes. We know we don't have that. We don't, yeah. So there were books in those times that also 
they quoted from that where it had truth that, that, that applied. And that's where we get this story. It's not exactly totally clear of what happened here, but somehow they were abusive towards and slanderous toward, toward angels. And, and so Jude talks, tells how Ar- the archangel Michael didn't, actually treated Satan differently. He didn't scoff at him. He didn't scoff at him. He didn't say he was respectful or, or anything like that towards him. And it doesn't say he didn't resist him. And, and it's not saying that we should not resist the devil. What the emphasis here is that Michael is fighting on the authority of the Lord. Not his own authority. He's just saying, look, look, I have authority from God. The, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. And, and so he's telling us, look, these, these scoffers, they're, they're claiming their own authority. They have authority. They're a law unto themselves. They think they have the power to, to overcome the, the, the enemy in their own authority. Well, you know, look up the sons of Sceva in the Bible. They tried that, and the demons talked to them and said, I know Paul, and I know Jesus, but who are you? Listen, I don't know if you've ever had a demon talk to me, but I have. I've had people who were possessed and who were ministering to them, and they, and they talked to you. And, 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 and one of them said to me, I know you, Joe Oakley. And I'm like, and I was like, well, I know you too. <laughs> and you're not of God. But I come against you in the name of Jesus. I don't know what you know about me, but I'm nothing. I have no power in myself. But Jesus has given me authority over you by the cross, by the blood, by the word, by the name of Jesus. And I take that authority right now and cast you out in Jesus' name. It's not our authority. Beware of thinking that you've got power over demons. No, you don't have any power over them. You have authority, delegated authority from Jesus. And the other thing that, the, that this is a reminder of is that these leaders, these false teachers were basically a law unto themselves. It's like they had their own truth. And so many people today, well, you got your truth and I got my truth. No, there is one truth and it's the truth of God and it's the truth of Jesus Christ. But verse 10 says, yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand and the things that they do understand by instinct, like unreasoning animals, these are the very things that destroy them. Their first sin was they were ignorance of the truth, but they were teaching like they understood the truth. But they did not know the word of God and they did not teach the word of God because they did not understand it. They did not understand it. They had their own understanding that came from their own simple nature and it turned out being something that would destroy them. So in verse 11, Jude declares woe or destruction upon them and he gives three Old Testament examples to show why their future was destruction and judgment. Verse 11, woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They've rushed for profit into Balaam's error and they have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Now I can preach a sermon on all of those and I got less than, less than, I'm over by one minute. So I'm going to teach. Time is going in reverse right now. Son, stand still. (laughs) Wife, clock, stop working in the name of Jesus. Y'all mind if I go a couple minutes over today? I got to finish this. Y'all okay? All right. If you got to go, go. But uh, I'm going to finish this. Three things. Balaam's error, the way of Cain, Korah's rebellion. You need to know what these are. Cain. Cain. Cain murdered his own brother. First kids born on the planet killing each other. Talk about sibling rivalry. In Genesis 4, it talks about that, 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 that Cain rejected God's authority. He was a murderer. And the Jews says these false teachers took the way of Cain by imitating his jealousy and his wickedness. Listen, beware of jealousy. 
Jealousy is a killer. James said in James 3, 14 to 16, if you have bitter jealousy and contention, contention, contending with the wrong things here, having a contentious spirit, if you have bitter jealousy and contention in your heart, do not pride yourselves on it. And thus be false to the truth. This wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For wherever, listen, wherever there's jealousy and contention, there will also be confusion and all sorts of evil and vile practices. Jealousy will mess you up. Beware of the way of Cain. Beware of Balaam's error. The story of Balaam, I hope you go and look these up on your own. Cain was in, in, in Genesis 4. Balaam is in Numbers 22 through 24 when Israel was trying to go through the land of Moab. The, the, the king named Balak, he tried to hire Balaam to curse Israel so that the Moabites could defeat them. Uh, uh, but Balaam was warned by God not to do it, but Balak kept offering him money and more and more money. And so Balaam would go and try to curse Israel. And every time he'd get up there, he'd stand up there to curse Israel, and he, it would come out of his mouth, Israel, I bless you. <laughs> what was that? You know, the, he couldn't do it. it but ba ba Balak kept offering his money, so finally he came up with another way to, try, to defeat the Israelites. And Balaam encouraged them. Uh, Balak to entice the Israelites with Moabite women, drawing them into sexual immorality and ultimately idol worship. And as a result, God's anger burned against Israel and a plague killed 24,000 people. Beware of teachers who only teach for money. It's not wrong to get paid. But I'm telling you, every no person we've ever had speak in this church came here demanding a certain amount of money. We had Dr. John Bosman couple weeks ago, and he travels the world. He's in South Africa right now preaching. The man made no demands on us. Some people are going to say, I need a, a hotel room. I need, I need this. I, I need this much money in addition to the love offering that I want you to take up. I mean, there are people that do that. And there, we have not had one person that will do that. Beware of teachers who only teach for money. And also, keep yourself away from the love of money. 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The Bible does not say that, love is, that money is the root of all evil. The love of money is. And by the way, you can love it and not have a dime. You can be broke. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. Listen to me. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many, grace, many griefs. Be aware of Balaam's error. And finally, be aware of Korah's rebellion. Woe to them. They've taken the way of Cain. They've rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They've been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. In number 16, you can read about Korah. He enticed 250 people to follow him in a rebellion against Moses. God's chosen leader. Listen to number 16.3. Korah said, listen, this is how he went to Moses. The whole community is holy. Every one of them. And the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourself above the Lord's assembly? When he said that, Moses hit the ground on his face and started interceding for him right then. Because God wanted to strike all of Israel down at that point, but Moses interceded for them. And he said, all right, y'all show up here tomorrow morning. I'll show up here tomorrow morning, and we'll see what God, we'll let God decide who's who. By the way, false teachers always have partial truth. It was truth true that Israel is holy. It was true that God was with them all. But Moses did not set himself above Israel. God did. 
God chose him to be the leader. And so rebelling against God's chosen leader is rebelling against God. So Moses said, let's all show up tomorrow morning. And that all showed up the next morning. And Korah and his family and all those 250 leaders and all their possessions, the ground opened up and swallowed them alive down into hell, the Bible says. They were all destroyed. The way of rebellion is the way of destruction. The way of jealousy is the way of destruction. The way of greed is the way of destruction. Believing false teachers and lies of the enemy is the way to destruction. But these are the ways of the enemy. But thank God, although the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, thank God Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant. He came to reveal truth to us. He is the truth. His word is truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Everything about him is truth. You don't have to fall for the lies of the enemy and the lies of false teachers. Be like the Bereans even when we're standing up here preaching. I would love it if you would say, I'm going to go home, look it up in my Bible, and see if what Pastor Joe said was true. Please do that. And if I'm wrong, please come to me, contend for the faith, and say, Pastor Joe, I think you were off there. And I'm like, gee, man, you know, I was. I would get up and stand here public and say, I missed it. Sorry for forgive me. Here's the truth of God's word. We've got to be grounded in truth, but we do not have to live in the fear of falling or fear of destruction because we can stand in faith on the truth of the word of God, contend for the faith rather than falling away from the faith. And we will be of those who endure to the end and we will be saved in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. ask our prayer team to come down. If you need prayer for anything, maybe one of these errors that I talked about today, I know there was a lot, but maybe one of them stuck out with you. Maybe something from the worship service stuck out with you. Or maybe you need healing or salvation or being filled with the Spirit. Maybe you need to pray for a job or maybe you need to pray for somebody else. Whatever it is that you need, I want you to come on down and we want to pray for you. Thanks for being here. Hope to see you Wednesday night where we will discuss this sermon and you can get more. If you've got questions, that can be answered. Pastor Devin and I will be here. If you've got any questions, you can ask her and she will answer them all. <laughs> and Friday night, don't forget Friday night, movie night. Guys, y'all ready to sing? We're going to sing one more song. After we get through the first verse and chorus, you'll be free to go. If you want to stay and worship, you can stay. If you need prayer, come on down right now.